Welcome to Serially Hooked Star Wars, where your hookers Chris and Rashad, and today separatist is a pejorative term. We have so many things coming down the pipeline for you. We have, of course, we're, our continued coverage of The Mandalorian. I mean, when I say coverage, it doesn't really need coverage. We don't do anything useful here. We just talk about what our thoughts. So I guess our reactions to The Mandalorian going forward. Um, so we'll be back next weekend talking about that. But then in the middle of the week, we have long-awaited return of D&D. Um, tune in for that on Wednesday. And I guess that's it. Um, I guess... It feels strange that we took such a big gap from D&D, but it's back. We're excited. I hope you're excited as well. And without further ado, nope, there is something else I want to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to support the podcast, uh, please subscribe uh, wherever you get podcasts. And what else am I supposed to say? I feel like I'm missing. Just like behind the curtain, this is like 8 a.m. after a Trans-Pacific flight for me, so... It's going to be a little bit of a bumpy ride, but we're just going with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're you're being a good sport about it, so. That's all I can be. And without further ado, Mandalorians are stronger together. Heck yeah. I don't know. What, how, how did you feel about this episode? I have feelings. Oh, I have a lot of feelings. But before we get to <laughs> our feelings, what yeah. football match is going down beneath your home, home right now? Oh, yeah. It's uh, Bundesliga time. And I live uh, in in Berlin. And so I, li- I also live above a pub that is very much Union Berlin territory and they're having a match against one of their biggest rivals right now and they just scored a goal and everybody was getting very excited which i could hear i don't know uh if if they score another goal maybe the microphone will pick something up now i'm kind of looking forward to that i want to see <laughs> <laughs> i mean depends on uh how they're doing i guess well let's go how many teams are in berlin actually that makes me really st- stupid probably i'm very very ignorant about the uh, the bundesliga yeah they they have two right now and union is the one that was just never important and and until they got to the bundesliga a few years ago and they are like i think they're second place right now or third place i think they're third place and uh going against borussia dortmund which is second now oh that's a big game okay it's a big game yeah all right. Okay. Go Berlin, I guess. Yeah. Better than the other one, which is Hatta, which is just a bullshit club. Um, in what way? Uh, they try because Germany is pretty good about keeping investors out. And uh Hatta Berlin was trying to to get some of the investor money, but that that investor wrought havoc and and now they just tried to claw them back out of the abyss, basically. Uh, out of being greedy so uh yeah they've lost a lot of sympathy i think okay so i guess we found the official enemy of serially hooked no 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 one of the official enemies i mean that club isn't worth being an enemy honestly i love the shade i love it (laughs) yeah i mean it's very unimportant it might be relegated this season so nobody cares about that club 
shouldn't say that out loud. I was I was out and about earlier, and I saw the the part of the city where I was at, which was like southern Berlin. I saw a lot of fans of Hertha, <laughs> and <I> obviously <laughs> didn't say anything. Well, you should recommend this podcast to them. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you should recommend this podcast to everybody you know. While we're while we're on the sides, why the hell did you suddenly decide, like six weeks ago or something? that without further ado is like your thing you've been saying that every recording <laughs> at least once and usually screw it up <laughs> i have no idea i guess it just came out of me naturally and this is what we're do- going with now i don't yeah. fight the power of words they just flow through yeah. me whether right or wrong yeah maybe you talk to someone who uses that a lot that's what happens to me sometimes that depending on who i talk to i just adapt their style of talking and words they use usually you know yeah fair enough i guess i do that at some point well so uh should we talk about star wars then (laughs) eventually here we are what an episode um i have a lot of thoughts i have oh there are just 99 percent or 90 mm, some significant percent negative um Mm -hmm. there is some positive thoughts in there somewhere uh, but I guess this is going to be a rail, uh, you know, rail against the crappy episode of Mandalorian, and yeah. and um, what, what what words am I looking for? Wow, I literally just said the words flow through me, but they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not at uh, after a Trans Pacific flight. Yeah, damn straight. But yeah, here we are. Um, I honestly just wasn't a fan of this episode. Uh, there yeah. was, uh, I did like the, there is like, there's, there's kernels of a really interesting detective story here, right? And mm-hmm. that detective story in some aspects is interesting. It's just a badly made detective story. And so like, even in the interesting potential parts of this episode, I was just like, nah, this this ain't for me, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> And yeah. then, obviously, like, the Lizzo-Jack Black thing just threw me completely uh-huh. out of the episode. Yeah. And Grogu was useless again in an episode. And we're not seeing any development from him. Um, it is just, like, this entire mess of, like, this is pointless. And then, also, uh, the cherry on top of the crap sandwich that was this episode was the freaking logistical loophole that they just put in at the end of this episode just to like make nightmare for all this Mandalorian stuff like uh, leadership and dark saber and basically take the winds out of the sails of everyone watching the show who hoping for something interesting and creative to happen i feel like this is like this episode in particular wasn't only bad in my mind it it's starting to chip away at the hope I have of this show and making me sort of doubt the future of Star Wars, period. And I really hope at this point they can either land the, like stick the landing with the season or Ahsoka has to be freaking brilliant. Mm-hmm. I did see that there was a trailer happening like a day or two ago and I did not watch it, of course. Yeah, you shouldn't watch it 100% (laughs) because there is a lot of things that I think would piss you off if you saw that first in this trailer. Okay, I will will full media blackout once again. Um, Yeah, I feel, I I don't know. I think I didn't have as high expectations after the last few episodes. So 
the definitely like the it's such a bad episode and it it didn't quite cr- crush me as it did you apparently but i just thought that that was a pointless episode too tacky and i don't get me wrong i love lizzo i love jack black i love christopher lloyd but the casting is just it's just a gag like kind of a stunt and very distracting it's like um i i remember one other thing was do you remember the movie her yeah yeah and uh famously obviously joking phoenix and falls in love with his like personal assistant slash like alexa siri sort of uh assistant or person in his phone or whatever and that person like that computer was voiced by scarlett johansson which was totally beside the point because it was too super distracting that you would recognize the voice and i thought it was just the same here like why do you have these mega famous people in here that have just like an a, a throwaway like prolonged cameo basically and it's just <sighs> why why though the christopher lloyd thing didn't bother me as much just because it's kind of part of the plot i mean uh yeah. the the jack black the lizzo jack black and lizzo were a little bit more like annoying because they're just babysitting grogu the whole time and yeah. didn't really do much um but beside that i mean or on top of that it's just really that they didn't even play with the interesting ideas that were put into the episode. So you have mm-hmm. this, especially when you reveal that Christopher Lloyd's character is a separatist. That's yeah. such a cool dynamic. Love that. Yeah, and yeah. then just like, um, what's it called? Bo-Katan just throws a cold bucket of water on the whole <laughs> interesting idea by just zapping him and saying, politics, meh. Mm-hmm. Just like, what are you kidding? Like, let's get into the details here. Let's be thoughtful with how we are presenting the differing opinions of the universe at this time and how unique it is to have a separatist who still believes in Count Dooku in this peaceful world. It's just, it's just so disappointing at every turn. Yeah, it's the second time sort of uh, in our time space. If you think back to the um, to the Bad Batch, we had another kind of uh, separatist survivor, which is which I thought was interesting. This one as well, like the way they presented him at court, basically, and then oh yeah, I guess you have to. I'm very disappointed in you. As like, uh, are you fucking kidding me? It's just a joke. And like, oh, I guess you have to go to exile now. So, oh, I hope I can gain your trust again. Okay, I'll leave now. Bye. And it's just like, oh, such a. I thought the separatist, separatist twist was just such a great idea. But as you said, they, they totally glanced over that. There was like a 30 second window of opportunity here that should have been like 10 minutes. And I don't know. I don't know. I also don't, I'm happy I saw like Agnods, but the way they were handled here as well was kind of cringy as well. I don't mind the Agnods. I mean, it's an interesting question of are they slaves? Do they enjoy the labor? What kind of role do they have in the society? And yeah. also it shows different levels of Dinjarin's ability to adapt when it comes to um, interacting with different kinds of species and Bo-Katan's headstrongness in her own ways to a certain extent and highlights no, the different ways that. that they can have their leadership. Um, there, there's a lot of things that I like there. What did you not like about their depiction? 
Uh, it kind of reminds me of the fantasy depiction of dwarves and that like all the dwarves are amazing artisans. And it's like, that's kind of like all the Agnauts are amazing at the skills here. And it's like, that's like borderline, like essentializing people. And I, I always, I'm like cringing hard at that these days. It's interesting um, you say that because that's kind of stereotypical to Star Wars or quintessential to Star Wars because you have yeah. the Trandoshans who are all bounty hunters. You have the Anzelians who are all um, little tiny machine workers, like droid workers as well. Like you yeah. have these kinds of stereotypes that go across different or the Zygerians, if you remember them, our favorites. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Jawas, the like everybody, more or less. Not everybody, but like a lot. The Jedi, who are all like losers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at least they're somewhat like. That was a know, joke. Over the board. I know. Okay. It's, it's but I mean. I was just thinking about the prequels for a second. So that's why I thought I just accepted that premise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because you mentioned Zagarians and then like back to Clone Wars, back to the uh, back to the prequels. I was like, okay, yeah, they are kind of losers. Um, but anyway, anyway, it's also the, I think it's too much of like political commentary about the, about the real world and political ideas of today like that and it's like you have a spectrum of how to do that and andor is on once and like the far it's like they're on opposite side this episode and andor are on completely opposite sides of the spectrum of how well you can like think about political thought of our real world and like andor excels and this one was just cheap yeah, I that's you hit the nail on the head with that yeah. comparison. Another thing, another thing that I really liked though was the uh, what was the idea of a droid bar. I kind of found that fascinating. That was the most interesting thing about this episode, in my uh-huh. mind. And like the bartender going into you know the the concern of kind of the droid community stuff like that. Um, I mean, I'm we're all over the place right now, but. It's just that that's also something that I really liked. As you said, there were like kernels of really good things in here. The rest is just, just garbage that you don't need. I didn't mind the uh, Mandalorian part at the end. There is like okay, if you wanna if you wanna settle this by like you know letter of the law sort of thing, I'm fine with it. I didn't. I was like okay, at least we don't have like three. Um. Maybe it was that I was just happy the episode was over, but at least we didn't have like three drawn out episodes of pointless conflict here. That's really interesting because that pissed me off more than anything else in this Mm. episode because it's more consequential to everything. Because when you have a bad bottle episode, it just, you leave it behind. It's kind of like the fish egg episode. It's Mm. whatever. It's not consequential. But when you have something that really throws a wrench into the wider narrative, like just explaining away with really clunky writing about how Bo-Katan is actually the holder of the Darksaber. And it makes sense that Din would want to give it to her because it doesn't seem that he likes the Darksaber. He's not good at the Darksaber. He's tried it before. Yeah, he tries it and does not. he's not good at it. Like No, I mean, also, like he tried to yield it immediately at the end of the second season, but everybody was like, that's not how it works. Yeah, uh, you, you have to win it in, in a fight. And uh, it took him until now to kind of come up with the idea. 
to get rid of it and give it to Bo-Katan. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of just speaks to his character. And I kind of like that he doesn't want anything to do with it. But yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with you that the way they've done it is just pretty silly. Yeah. It, it really like doesn't make any sense there like it would okay another alternative would be he gives it to her in the cave because or like when he gets rescued because it's like it's immediately he can give it to her this is yours now and then they go to see these mandalorians in this episode and then the mandalorians don't believe them and then they have to Mm -hmm. actually have a conflict within them you build tension with interesting ideas and different perspectives of characters in a tv show you don't just put three lines together which seems like an addendum to an episode at the end and just say we're going to take the most consequential item in the entire show and pass it along to somebody else and basically in my mind or in some ways move the protagonist of the show more officially from dinjarin to bo-katan it's it's just mind-blowing what's going on here it's it's almost like John Favreau forgot how to write conflict. It's it's very prequely in because in the prequels conflict is always like yes, no, okay, I guess not. It's it's just there's no real tension as you said and like this is so stupid. I have no idea what like what happened there. It's just like or ha- or have like have them still doubt doubt them. And just have that as a cliffhanger. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's just like that. I think they just wanted to get it over with where I just think you have an entire episode to come up with something. Why don't you just scrap the rest of this bullshit and like ex- explore that for an episode? Yeah, it was not the most fun time here today. No. But do we have to go into the details? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> do we we don't i don't we don't have to go back to like we have to we don't have to go like plot point by plot point I don't yes think. we do because we're here and we're doing it and okay we are talking about all of this because there are little things here that i find are interesting so yeah, yeah. no I, I wasn't saying like this is we're done now it's just like okay we we, we have talked about so much already all right, so the episode begins with a quarren. And that was kind of interesting here. Just the first live action viewing of a quarren, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I found this really this interesting scene where you have a quarren who's in love with um, a Mon Calamar prince, apparently. And then they take them away with... Uh, uh, captured or runs away, I guess, with the love of their life. And then they have the Mandalorians kind of... Um, catch them i guess i'd really struggling for words here but <laughs> yeah basically they fell in love uh they escaped together and now the Mandalorians were hired to bring the prince back i kind of like that the idea of like these two it's kind of romeo juliet-esque i suppose uh with like two warring factions and two two kind of people from those factions fall in love um I think it was a little bit cheesy, but also kind of cute, I guess, setting the tone for this episode. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a really good way to do it. Cheesy and bad, but uh, kind of cute. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like little details, though, like the depiction, like the the captain's chair being underwater. That yeah, was really I cool. Uh, I want to know more about what's going on, though. Like, give little details about what's the... Um, situation on Mon Calamar now like what's mm-hmm. going on with all the people there because the last time we saw them was in that I know it's one of your favorite arcs of Clone Wars uh, <laughs> yeah 
I wonder. I wonder if the uh, what was his name, Prince Lee Char, is the father of this uh, of this prince now. I would imagine he must be right. So that's kind of fucked up, Lee Char. I mean, it's not like that. I liked him in Clone Wars, but now it's like, what up, man? Well, there could be a society where they just call a lot of people prince. Like it's not just like the heir to the throne is prince. Sure. Oh, you don't know. I'm not too familiar with that society. Well, I think that like there isn't can- much canon on this. A lot of this is an expanded universe stuff, but um, I think Leechar is still um, the leader of Mon Calamar at this point. Mm-hmm. But I'm not entirely sure because that goes beyond my level of knowledge. Wow. Something goes beyond your level of Star Wars knowledge. That must be deep down in the lore then. A lot of things do, and to see some of those things, go check out our Jeopardy for Star Wars, in which we both failed with showing how much we know or don't yeah. know about Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> then we get to Plazier 15. There were some interesting things in this like initial sequence, I thought. Like, oh, the idea of them landing and getting forced to land somewhere, and then you get this bureaucratic entry to the city, and this ominous tone of music, and then... They land into the dining hall. Everything switches on a dime. And then you see at the head of the table, <sighs> Jack Black and Lizzo waiting, yeah. to guard, waiting to greet them. Yeah. At first, I, w- I was kind of delighted. It was very colorful, very cute again. And just like, oh, this is interesting. But within seconds, I was like, oh, is this really a good idea? And it turns out, no, it's not. Will Din Djarin just leave? Boba, not Boba. Wow, I called Grogu <laughs> Boba. Will he just wow. leave Grogu with anybody? It's like a stranger we just met, and yeah. she gives Grogu literally a piece of fish or whatever. And then Mando's like, "All right, she's cool." Like, what? Are you kidding? Anyone? Yeah. I think like at this point, Mando is too trusting of people, and they need someone to steal Grogu again, just to like <laughs> let's let's get some stakes in here. I mean, that's not at all how it's depicted in the episode, but. Uh, just imagine if the uh, queen took uh, took Grogu hostage so that the two would do the their job. Super interesting. Turns out that Lizzo is the villain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's a Sith exactly. Lord. <laughs> That'd be so- quite something. But <laughs> I mean, the, the Jack Black character used to work for the Empire. That's maybe that's how they met. Who knows? This is working into a much better idea already. Yeah. Look at us go. <laughs> And then you get this idea that the the droids are malfunctioning in the city and something's going on and you get a mystery in front of us. And I think for the for me, at least, the funniest line of the episode is when bo uh, asks, or I don't know, somebody asks uh, Din Djarin if he's in and he's like, you have yeah. me at <laughs> Battle Droid. I was yeah. Like, yes. yeah, I wrote that down as well. It was the f- I was really laughing so hard. As he said that. And I love that that's a through line in this episode, like how much he still distrusts and dislikes droids and how it gets in the way multiple times. And like you can just see Bo-Katan's increasing annoyance, which I kind of loved. I love the execution of that. The only question that I have is that it seems antithetical to the journey of his character. And I think this would have mm-hmm. been a lot better with his visceral droid racism. 
in the first season of the Mandalorian, as opposed to right oh. now where he's like sort of learned to trust droids like R5 and IG-11 a little bit. But they're not like uh, the battle droids that, you know, he has childhood trauma from like that killed his parents, presumably. That totally makes sense. And also, like, I think it's it's still good, I think, in this episode. That's why I'm a mixed mind with it. I don't really yeah. mind it too much. It's just a little bit interesting to see. I think this would have made more narrative sense a little bit earlier on to set up his droid racism that would then taper off over time if you're looking at the character from a bigger perspective. Yeah, kind of another way that this episode kind of fucks things up. No, 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 it's fine. I'm not saying it's fucked anything up. I just, um, for example, another really funny bit of this episode is later on when he just starts kicking battle droids. Yeah. This is so funny. Also, also, like, he kicks the one that is now malfunctioning. Yeah. For sure. Come on. Of course, of course, like, he picks out one in, like, probably a thousand that is going to do that. Well, I my headcanon is that it would is actually a significant number that could potentially malfunction because of Christopher Lloyd's designs. I don't think that mm. it's just one in a thousand. I think it's quite common that they would potentially malfunction if provoked. So I'm not um I, I'm not as concerned with that or as it being like, oh my god, he found like the gold nugget on his first try. Mm. But I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, yes, it was definitely more than one in a thousand, but it's just like, of course, like, just show him doing that to the first and who just then carries on working and doesn't do anything. And then the second where that happens, it was just like, oh, come on, really? But I think at that point, I had already given up on the episode. So maybe that's what. That's that's interesting. At that point, I don't think I had given up on it. I think at the point, I don't know when I gave up on this episode. Um, Because I think when we get the setup. Um, where we were talking about the plot earlier uh, of the the mystery or whatever is like okay i'm still interested in this let's see if we they can do a detective show i think mm-hmm. they started they lost me basically when they have a droid morgue and start pulling blood out of droids and uh, yeah. do they're basically that really just reminded me of a parody of a detective show at this point that yeah. doesn't really make any sense it's just put in there to look visually familiar so that we can kind of ground ourselves in what's going on instead of building out other perspectives or a different idea of what this whole thing could be because droids don't go into morgues droids yeah. go to a scrapyard and you pick them up at the scrapyard and you have technicians working on them you don't have this sterile i don't know it's just it's a really interesting tutorial in what not to do in a show yeah it's true my my head canon was more that they put them into kind of i mean i guess i guess they could have brought them back to the Ugnaughts, but i come more kind of because it's a special interest thing maybe that's how but i'm just doing head canon now for something i don't care about um let's maybe go back because we we dropped off at a point where it started to get interesting <laughs> because next up we have the Ugnaughts. Yeah, so then they go to the Ugnaughts and Bo-Katan comes in head first being like, all right, what's going on? And then it really comes to Din Djarin to really act as a, somewhat of an interpreter to the Ugnaughts. And based on his experience with Queel in the past, we get him basically controlling the conversation and able to kind of uh, lower their guard and we get information on them. 
I really like the sequence personally. Yeah, me too. Honestly, like the the moment that Din just steps in and you know you immediately recognize the cadence of how he's talking and like then of course cherry on top. I have spoken, and then you immediately see the Agnots accepting him, <laughs> and Bo-Katan's just like, "What the fuck? How'd you do that?" Yeah, and then we go to the aforementioned B two loading droid era area where <laughs> Bo-Katan is actually talking to the battle droids, and mm-hmm. Jin Darren just silently goes. And s- My head is still funny for some reason. So goes and kicking the B twos. Yeah, that was hilarious. But I I did wonder, how exactly do the Agnots know that that's where the next malfunction is going to happen? That doesn't make any sense. I don't remember. I'm sure that's something that is explained in the episode, but I just can't nope. think of it. They it's just not. say, they just say, they just glance over it. Bo-Katan just basically, no, I think it's Din who tells uh, Bo, oh yeah, the Agnots said that this is where the the next malfunction is probably going to take place. It's like, how do they know that? That doesn't make any sense. That's so stupid. Yeah. It's just like, like a, oh, we're just going to wave over that and just, you know, oh, look at this thing. Now we're kicking droids. Isn't that fun? Oh, man, I gave this show a benefit of a doubt for one second. <laughs> I, it's, it's so weird how, like, this uh, this season is kind of ruining the show for us. And for many people, I assume. After such a great start, the first two episodes were phenomenal. And then... Yeah. I mean, we had filler episodes in the middle of the season before, but I don't have high hopes that this is going to be like epic last third of the season. Um, We did see... I thought it was kind of uncanny, by the way, to see a battle droid run and like act very huge... Like in in its motions kind of act very humanoid or like human-like because I've always only seen the B2s kind of act very like um, static and clunky and stuff like that. So it was like, it really threw me that they're now shifting their weight and running. And because you, you know, in the, in the movies and also in the Clone Wars, you usually just see the March. And so I was like, Oh, this is weird to me somehow. Yeah, it is kind of strange, especially with both the battle droids and the B2s, where mm-hmm. you have... In my head, I actually... When I close my eyes, think about them. I think about the Clone Wars more than anything. Especially yeah. with that voice, because it's the same voice actor who voiced them in the Clone Wars. So it really does feel more normal to see that sort of stuff in animation. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels, un- yeah, as you said, uncanny valley-ish when it comes to seeing them in live action. Yeah, but that was kind of a, that was like a nice chase scene, you know. Just it was it was fine. Also, I think the way this is just a little tiny thing. The way that the Mandalorian or Din Djarin was running just was really weird to me. It kind of <laughs> just looked like generic stunt double running, which it was, yep. but it looks kind of funny the way he was throwing his arms around. I just was, not, <laughs> just like, what is going on? Yeah. Maybe it's because he's in an urban setting. That's not his thing. Well, also when's the last time we saw him particularly run? Yeah, it's true. Can't Probably on Navarro sometime. Maybe, but yeah, it's very true. So yeah, they, uh, they in the end, Din jumps through a window, tackles uh, the B two to the ground, and Bo shoots it. That was kind of uh, I don't know. I've I, I haven't seen people jump through 
windows in the wild. That was kind of nice, even though it's kind of tropey. The whole chase sequence just makes no sense. Why nope. would a B2 run away like that? That's not what they're, they do. They're ferocious. They didn't use its mm. gun at all. Like It just is just... This whole thing is a parody of a detective show. That's it. It is yeah. supposed to take, be taken seriously, and it is not. Very frustrating here. At the same time, though, I don't think it has a gun anymore. I'm pretty sure that would be removed if it's like a civil servant duty stuff, right? Yeah, and so I kind of like the little like the little police droids. Like, this is a crime scene. This is a crime scene. That was kind of also weird, but kind of cute as well. All right, so we move on from here to visiting the Resistor, the droid bar. I know you had a lot mm-hmm. of thoughts. This is a really interesting question of droid humanity and droid rights and a lot of interesting things, and I think the kernel of a really great idea. And I don't know, it's fun to see this uh, the droids in their social environment. Mm-hmm. And kind of, at first, I was kind of thrown just because, like, why would droids do that? It doesn't really make sense. But that's just because it's never been depicted that way. And maybe in this environment, on this planet, that's kind of how they've... Because they have more liberties, probably. And so they can do that. And it's kind of nice to see it. Uh, Just a really nice kind of bar vibe. But I also loved how as soon as the two uh, Mandalorians stepped in, everybody's just like record scratch don't know how to behave and because they're all droids they just don't move an iota (laughs) they can just literally stand still and everybody's just like not even remembering what are they doing here and everybody's just like freezing literally until that one uh like translator droid is trying to (laughs) leave and then it's like nobody leaves and it just like freezes again it's kind of funny This brings up a question for me about the role of droids in the Star Wars universe. I've been going back Mm -hmm. and forth in terms of what does it mean or what what was the best analogy for them in our world. Are they more like pets and animals or are they more like humans and they're just treated so badly? And this episode or this depiction of them really makes me think about the latter. But previous depictions really made me look at the former and i'm kind of really torn about where their uh i don't i I keep saying the word humanity but i think that's the only Mm -hmm. word that comes to my mind because it's most apt but where their humanity lies and then what is the consequential rights that then we should be rooting for them to gain and i think i'm much more solidly on the camp of that they should be given significantly more rights especially following a lot of the different depictions of droids we've seen in the past, like L3, but then also what's going on here. And just the fact that they enjoy a social life and want a social life, it reminds me of the clones, them having their own bar as well. And they're, mm-hmm. oh, they're, if you if we swing to the Bad Batch, really interestingly, uh, depiction within that universe as property. And I think we're looking at two different themes and ideas of people or machines that are used for their uh, labor or whatever, used for specific means and then discarded when they're no longer needed and all that spirituality or you know, not spirituality, 
ah, humanity, damn, it just lost <laughs> over and over again. So I just found this to be a really interesting question, and it kind of more cements me on the side that droids should be treated as humans or humanoids in this world, as opposed to um, what I would imagine more so they're like pets. Yeah, that's the issue, though. As soon as you treat them like humanoids, you can't enslave them anymore. And, you know, you'll never get that cheap labor anywhere else. Just look at um, human history. Uh, that's how you, you know, do do that. You dehumanize someone. So uh, it kind of makes sense. It doesn't speak to to the morality of the galaxy. Let's put it that way. And I was wondering, actually, is there somebody out there writing a PhD about like how clones, uh, not, oh, wow, now I'm doing it, uh, how droids are treated in the uh, in the Star Wars universe. And they, they were just finishing up, saw this episode, and was like, fuck, this doesn't work into my argument. <laughs> that would have been pretty funny. If the one is doing that PhD, save it. Please reach out. Please no, I was going to, yeah, reach out. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to you. <laughs> But um, yeah, it was so fascinating. I loved. It's kind of sad though that they only have one drink. Apparently, uh, it's just kind of a bummer. But I guess they don't have taste buds, so uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, but it, it's it's I don't know. It was a it was a fun little side thing to discover. And yeah, I totally agree with the parallels of the clones. And again, it's for, you know probably for like. Um, justifying how they're being treated, seen as property, that they're not, neither of them are like happened organically, if you will, which is kind of an interesting point that will probably uh, interest humanity in the next next few decades as technology in our real world increases. Um, But yeah, it's just a fascinating glimpse of a droid's social life kind of made me remember how I don't know if it was that way for you, but when I was in primary school, like a lot, I think a lot of children just thought teachers don't only exist in schools. You know, the way that children think about other people, like only existing when they're interacting with them, kind of like a a video game when it's like buffering when uh, when you're exploring more. And as the child of a, a teacher, I always knew that's not the case, but it's kind of like uh, here with the droids as well. Like, yeah, I thought like time off for them was just like powering down until they're used again. And no, they actually have a private life. So that was kind of nice. I still think that about everyone I know. <laughs> okay. So I only exist when we podcast. Basically. Yeah. Fair enough. So after this, we go to the aforementioned morgue where they take blood from the, or, or motor oil from the B2 unit that malfunctioned and discover nanodroids. And then all of a sudden, the lab assistant droid also malfunctions and Dinjarin destroys the droid with the dark saber. Yeah, further establishing, reminding everyone, hey, Dinjarin has the light dark saber might come up later. Uh, yeah, I agree that it doesn't really make sense that they're in a morgue, and uh, I think you know they uh, slip up there with, oh no, it's not blood, it's like oil or whatever. Um, probably the only reason why they did that is so they would have the medical droid freak out. 
But I mean, they could have just had like some scrap droid do the exact same thing. So it doesn't really make sense. Um, I was, I was uh, half imagining, you know, it, it's definitely like a like a trope or like a thing in detective stories where you just go to the morgue. But I'm sure they could have handled this one way better. Yeah, not my, not not a fan, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm kind of glad they just went in and out at the very least. But yeah. they do end up after this going to the security office again and going up to Commissioner Hellgate, who is the Christopher Lloyd character. I've only been calling him Christopher Lloyd this entire <laughs> time. So let's get his name straight. And they confront him and then he immediately turns and shows his true colors and then threatens to turn all of the droids into battle droids again which doesn't make sense if their guns were taken because that was the point again and then this whole Mm. thing is just moot Uh, it's a whole thing i'm confused uh but he does praise count dooku as a visionary and it's a really interesting idea of him being a separatist still existing in this world in his mind never backing down and then as we said bo-katan just shoots him and is like meh politics yeah that was weird for sure i mean also as as in as with many other situations it's like okay you press the button and then you're still gonna get arrested man that doesn't make like how are you gonna get out of this room without being like hindered by that like you know because like okay you have the people like just think it through it doesn't make sense like how is it going to get off off world it's weird, but um, yeah, I I also agree. Like the again, there was a thirty second window where I was really hyped when he's like, "No separatists." Oh, as you said in your uh, like introductory quote, that's such such a negative term. And you know, I believed in these things, and I've I've never reneged on my beliefs actually. And then yeah, Bo-Katan just like, "Oh, ha ha ha!" I'm just gonna taser you. Uh, I, f- I felt like the way it was done it was very much played for laughs. And I was just like, no, but this was where it actually went, like, got good. So why did you stop that? God, this episode is just like a crappy Law & Order episode. That's all that it is. Yep. Yeah, or like uh, I was half imagining as we were going on about the morgue earlier, just like Bo-Katan doing like the, uh, the CSI Miami thing, which is <laughs> quippy one-liner putting on sunglasses and then yeah <laughs> that mu- that super tacky music in the background that's uh, so funny i just imagine yeah. that's great i love it because they're both redheads as well <laughs> <laughs> anyway well after this we go back to the i don't know where we're going now we go back court. to the court and then they reveal everything we say bye to lozo and jack black grogu comes back and then they go check out the mandalorians there's a little bit of a skirmish uh, between axe wolves axe wolves has a weird name to say and bo katan after she challenges him for dominance and then we get the lowdown on mandalorian creed and how um she is the ruler of the dark saber or she's the wielder of the dark saber and thus the ruler and everyone else and then we get this acceptance potentially or maybe not of her as leader i guess we'll wait to find out not on the edge of our seats though let me tell you that 
I'm as far back in my seat <laughs> as possible. Yeah, uh, you're like brewing in your seat, thinking if you should leave. Uh, damn straight. Um, so I don't know which. Uh, like this is uh, chapter twenty-two. So how many more episodes do we have in this season? Two. We got two more. Yeah. Two more. Yeah. How are they going to turn this around? If the last two episodes aren't epic, I'm going to be very disappointed. At least we got Hemlock. <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah, there were some nice things in this in this uh, season so far, but I mean, just the way it started out, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And in some ways, I thought how they started, basically, um, the going to Mandalore and bathing in the living waters would be the season finale. So if we just erase mm-hmm. the last half of this season or the last, no, the majority of the season, then we're still okay. Yeah, sure. If we just uh, scrap five of the episodes or like four, <laughs> I don't know. But then it's just why uh, it's just so greedy to. Okay, we're doing another season, and it's so obvious that that's what dilutes all of this. We have so many unnecessary episodes, such lazy writing as well, and it's just maybe they just got too comfortable. Like the first, the first season was like. You know, that was the thing. The second season, okay, we have to be as successful as the first season and have to carry it to the point that we have that, you know, we have the third season. And now they're just getting comfortable and saying, yeah, we ha- we can make another season. So we don't actually have to put an effort for this one, apparently. And it's just like, ugh. it's like success as a curse. In some ways, yes. But their formula for success is quite easy. And it, to me, seems like they're not leaning on the formula that made them successful. They're actually going against the grain. And yeah. the choice to do that is maddening. Because really, this show <laughs> is successful when it's Din Djarin and Grogu hanging out. Come on, guys. That's it. Just do that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll see what the penultimate episode of the season is. I have definitely never been so underwhelmed going into a penultimate uh, episode of The Mandalorian ever. So, yay. And thank you for listening, if you made it this far, for our rambling <laughs> this episode. But this is where we're yeah. at with this show at this point, unfortunately. We're, like, as rambly as this this whole fucking season is, honestly. So... And you wanna, if you want to give us your thoughts about this episode or about us rambling, drop us a line at hello at serialhook.com. Connect with us on Twitter as well. And to get every new episode into your feed, uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts. And I guess with that, for Chris, I'm Rashad. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.